Here's a premise statement I would make for you. God did not create us just to convert us. God didn't create you so that you would just somewhere in your journey pray a prayer and walk an aisle and decide that maybe something needed to be changed about you. God created you for an intimate relationship with him. Your purpose for existence is to know God, enjoy God, walk with God, worship God, love God. That's why you exist, and that's why I exist. One theologian years ago said it this way, God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied with him. And so whatever satisfies my soul the most, whatever I value the most is going to drive how I do life. We talked last week about following in the dust of Rabbi Jesus. It's not a one-time decision. It's not just a, uh, uh, it's not one of those things that you do just one time like being born. It's something you do every day. Following Rabbi Jesus is a lifetime journey. I, I can say it this way. God saved me from my sin, but I'm being saved every day. I'm being saved from me. I'm being saved to him. We call it progressive sanctification theological term, but we're all in the process of being transformed and conformed every day into the likeness of Jesus. Now, I want to share with you out of the gate what I call marks of being an authentic disciple. I want to hit four things for you. I could probably hit 7, 10, 20, but I want to hit four marks of being an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ. The first one would be this, an authentic disciple confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord. 1 John chapter 4 says it this way, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love. The one who abides in love abides in him and God abides in that person. Now, look at these key words right here. I want to give you a little education, if you will. The word there is he who confesses. In the Greek, one of my favorite words, the word confess is homologia. The word homo, logia means to desire the same. Logia means to speak and to say. So when I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he is Lord, all I'm doing is It's telling God, I agree with you, and I say the same thing about your son that you say about him. It's right there in the text. Whoever confesses, it doesn't say accept. The word accept doesn't appear when it comes to following Jesus. Whoever confesses, homologia, says the same thing that God says about him. And then he goes on to say, not only the word confess, but he says, he who abides The word abide means to hang with, to dwell with, to walk with. Very interesting word. Same word that is used in John chapter 15. Talks about if we abide in him and he abides in us, we'll produce much fruit. Apart from him, we can do nothing. When we're talking about abiding with him, we're saying that the very life of Christ and the very essence and character and nature of Christ has become the very life and character and essence of my own nature myself. He says, now, if you confess and if you abide, he comes on to say, we have come to know and have believed the love of God. 
The word know there is another great word in the Greek. The word know there is the word gnosko. It's not the word oida. Oida is a Greek word that means to have this cognitive understanding of. The word gnosko means to be uh, in this heartfelt experiential relationship with. And so when he says we've come to know, it is a word of experience. It's a word of deep solistic connection. And then he says we've believed. Believe is another powerful word. The word pisteo in the Greek, it means I've been persuaded to action. It doesn't mean that I believe, as James would say, the demons believe and yet tremble. It's not this passive just acknowledgement of, I have been persuaded now to take action. And then he uses the word love repeatedly. The word love there is not phileo, eros, or storge. The word love there is the word agape, and it's the word of unconditional sacrificial, extending oneself for. If we are an authentic disciple, we confess and know and believe and abide in Jesus is being Lord. Makes sense. There's a lot of meat. I just took off that bone right there for you. But God desires for all of us to understand what those marks of authentic discipleship are. What does it mean? It means I confess I agree with God. You're not here just to be my Savior. As I said, the word Savior only appears just over 200 times. The word Lord appears almost 24,000 times. Jesus comes to declare his lordship and we're to surrender to his lordship. So authentic Christianity begins with confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. Everybody with me? Talk to me, somebody. All right. Here's another mark of an authentic disciple. An authentic disciple will be miserable when living in sin. Come on. And I'm going to stay here for a bit, and I can't wait to see your body language. (laughs) 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. All staying in the little epistle of 1 John. Make sure that no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous. Just as he, our Lord, Yeshua, Jesus is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because his God's seed abides in him. He cannot sin Because the very nature and essence of who he is has been changed because he's born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. The word practice means to repeat. It's the habitual pattern of a person's life. Now, I've been walking with Jesus for 11,000 days, 30 years. I want you to hear this. The most miserable people I ever encounter and have dialogue with are those who claim that they're children of God, yet they're still living in sin. The most miserable person you'll ever meet is the one who knows better but doesn't do better and who chooses to stay in their depravity and insanity. When we say that the one who is born of God practices righteousness. He does those things that glorify God. When you're practicing sin and you claim to be a follower, you need to check yourself. 
I've had people over the years tell me, well, you know, uh, you don't understand, brother. We were having some incompatibility in this relationship, and I know I hooked up with another person who is married, and you would call it adultery, but God's given me so much peace about it. What God has given you peace about it? Based on my study of Scripture, it's the God and the prince of this world who is called the devil. People drink like guppies and look at me saying, but God's given me peace about it. No, 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 no. For a child of God to habitually live in sin, you're going to be miserable. Now, 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 I'm not free Methodist in my theology, meaning I don't believe you reach a place where you never sin ever again. Do you occasionally sin? You're going to occasionally sin, but it's not the pattern and the practice of your life. When a believer sins, the Lord all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit blows the whistle because we want the peace of Christ reigning and ruling. And so when we mess it up, the Lord said, hey, hey, hey. And we go back to 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. These are marks of authentic disciples. So if you walk in here and you go, well, I walked an aisle and I prayed a prayer, what does that mean? I met with a person this week. Well, I know I was saved 10 years ago. But then they confess that they're drinking at least 6 to 12 every night and the patterns of their life. And I'm going, what, what, what do you mean you were saved? I don't even know what that terminology and jargon and diction in the South means anymore. What, what, what do you mean by that? And we've established that praying the prayer has given so many people in the church since a false sense of security and hope because the prayer doesn't appear. Repenting and pressing into Jesus and becoming a Talmud and following Jesus appears. I've had people say, hey, I prayed the prayer, but how has that transformed your life? God came to bring about transformation. So if you're okay with living in sin, the scripture says, I didn't write it, I just read it, says that that is of the devil. And the devil practices, repeated, does it often, those things. Check yourself. Even First John would say, test, your, t- test the spirits to see if they're of God or not. Paul would write in Corinthians and say, examine yourself to see if you're even in the faith or not. Just a mark of an authentic disciple is when they sin, they feel miserable. Three, an authentic disciple enjoys fellowship with other believers. So he says in 1 John 5, 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and whoever loves the Father loves his children too. He would say in, in another place, how can you say you love God who you haven't seen? Yet hate your brother or sister who you do see. It's a contradiction of theology and philosophy. Because what he says here is, if you really love God, you're going to love the brothers and the sisters, the other children of God, because you've got the same spiritual daddy. And anybody who belongs to the father belongs to everybody else who belongs to the father if they truly belong to the father and become Talmuds and disciples. Come on. This is an inventory. Hebrews 10 would say it this way. 
Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Again, that word confession appears repeatedly to the hope that we have anchored in Christ. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. This is a fellowship koinonia style passage. Koinonia is the word fellowship. is where we get together under the umbrella of Christ. He's like, let us consider how we can love each other and stimulate one another to loving good deeds. Let us not forsake assembling together as believers as some of the, are in the habit of doing. People have said that to me over the years. Well, I don't really need church. Oh, you're in a lone ranger. How's that working for you? How can you be a member of the body of Christ and refuse to associate with other members of the body of Christ? That will lead you to a lot of reckless thinking and narcissistic style reasoning. How's that working for you? And I've seen people say that to me. I I, I just don't need fellowship. And it's a gift. You don't need it. You need oxygen and water, right? But you value fellowship and then he goes on to say let us consider how we can encourage one another as we see the day of the lord drawing near man there's so much more strength in numbers when we get together in fellowship and pray together and support each other and strengthen each other the body of christ explodes one of the marks or signs of an authentic disciple is they enjoy hanging around other disciples They enjoy hanging around other people that have moved out of darkness into the light. Here's a fourth one. An authentic disciple will obey the teachings of Jesus. They don't a la carte scripture. They don't cut and paste scripture. They don't highlight only the verses that fit their agenda. They obey the teachings of Jesus, which is to say it this way. If you're really an authentic disciple and a Talmud of Jesus, you will obey what God says. All of us. 1 John 5, 3, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments, or the yoke of Rabbi Jesus, is not burdensome. He goes on to say, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory, even our faith. Faith that's based on our relationship with Christ that's founded on the sayings of God. When you love God, you'll obey what God has to say. His thoughts will become your thoughts, and his sayings will become your sayings as you walk in the dust of Rabbi Jesus. I've had people say, but, yeah, the Bible, man, it's just a rule book, and there's so many things that God lays out that just prevents us from being able to do life. You would be wrong. The Bible is a love letter from God, and all of those things that you've seen as preventions are really God's protections because he wants you to experience life abundantly. But people say, well, I just don't read the Bible. I don't like the Bible. Or when I pick up the Bible, it don't make any sense. It didn't to me either until I met the author of the Bible. Once you get to know the author of the Bible, all of a sudden what he says makes sense to you. There's a lot of you that have never met my wife, Barb. Barb could write a letter. You would read it. It might not make sense. But when she writes me a letter and I read that letter, I know her phraseology and I know her verbiage and I know how she speaks. And so when I read a letter from my wife to me telling me that I'm handsome and I'm the best man on the planet, (laughs) I said, speak it, sister. No, but I know... When a letter comes from her, I know the author of the letter. I know the heart. I know the phrases. 
And a lot of people have never met the author of the book. And so when it comes to diving into it, like Howard Hendricks said, most Christians are like bad film. They're overexposed but underdeveloped. Dusty Bibles will lead to dirty lives. Success and failure in this journey will depend on how much word gets in your heart and mind and how much you implement it. David would say in Psalm 1, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand or sit in the, pit, in, in the path of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Therein he meditates day and night. He's like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. His leaf never withers. His Fruit is always in season, and in whatever he does, he prospers and has success. Why? Because he obeys and implements and applies the word of God. Come on, that's too good. And so when you start to move there, it's amazing. So in our culture, true disciples of Jesus Christ will become students of the word. Now, this is huge for me, and I want you to hear me loud and clear on this one. I had so many mind monsters for so long. Failing reading in the second grade. You're going to go to summer school. So I did. I go to summer school. I'm about four or five days into summer school to learn how to read. All of a sudden, I have this appendix stuff that starts to rupture. I go in. I have this surgery. I don't go back into school to finish up how to read. So I had these mind monsters. When I graduated from high school, I had never read a book in my life. I didn't think I could read. I didn't think I could retain. I didn't think I could comprehend any of those things on the pages. So when it came to anything with history, anything with science, anything that required reading, I struggled. I had a buddy tell me, if you're not cheating, Tim, you're not trying. So I started trying real hard. By, oh. But anyway, I didn't know how to read. And that was a mind monster. Even when I went to college, I struggled with reading. I didn't go to college because academically I was equipped. I went because I could throw hard and I got a scholarship. But I started college and had to take 099 English and 099 history and 099 math. That's where I started. I look back. All of a sudden, I come to faith in Jesus. And I got on my face before God and I said, you say in this book that I've been given the mind of Christ, but I, I don't know how to read well and I don't know how to remember very well and I don't know how to comprehend very well. Would you please let me know what you have to say? And lay in the Bible on my heart and my head, I'm like, I want to pursue you and know you. And God started changing my mind. And so there's a lot of people that walk in here and you go, I struggle with reading. So did I. I struggle with retention. So did I. And I got a heart for you. But you've been given the mind of Christ and you don't have to stay there. And I'll do anything I can to walk with you because I know God can unlock it. Now, there's a lot of people here that can read like a champ, but never pick up the Bible. Are you crazy? I got a heart for you too. I do. But you've got to understand the importance of this book right here. And a true authentic disciple will know it, will obey it, and will implement it. When did you start? 11,000 days ago, and I didn't have a clue. 30 years later.
Look at what God is able to do when you lay yourself on the altar as a living sacrifice saying, would you radically transform me? Now, let me transition. When Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, yeah, I kind of laid out some, some marks. You will confess Christ. You'll be miserable when you're living in sin. You'll desire fellowship. You'll obey the teachings. When Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, and he's your master, and he's your authority, these eight little things I want to jog through real quick have radically shaped and changed who I am. Number one, you always know he's with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And you'll find yourself at times driving down the road, and I never drive by myself. It's not that I'm scared, but I've come to realize that wherever I am, there's always three more, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I hadn't been alone since I got saved. So wherever I am, there's always four of us, which is a shocking reality. Thus, I'm not afraid of the dark because I'm never alone, and I'm not afraid to go to sleep in a hotel room when I'm out by, because I'm never by myself anymore. Man, you're talking about rocking somebody's paradigm. But you can be driving down the road and just go, thank you for plucking me out of the ruins of darkness. Thank you for transferring me into the kingdom of light. Thank you for taking me from the miry clay and setting my feet on the rock. Thank you for adopting me into your family. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wherever you're at, when you know he's with you, he'll never leave you. Man, it's crazy. And then what you do is you end up rolling into, you have this constant conversation and interaction with him. Lord, what are you trying to teach me right here? Lord, uh, what, what do you want me to know right here? Lord, why am I going through this one right here? But it's never this rebellious why. It's always, you're with me. You'll never leave me. You're taking me through something. You're, you're with me right here. What, what, what do you got going on? Do you ever find yourself doing that? You ever find yourself driving down the road or walking down the hallway or walking down a sidewalk or whatever and going, all right, Lord, what, what is my purpose for being here right now? Because he's your friend and he's the lover of your soul. Three, you start to see his continual blessings in your life and in those around you. You start to see God do things in your wife, your spouse. You start to see God do things in your kids and family members. And I'm not saying that you haven't gone through tragedy. And I'm not saying that you haven't had pain come your way. But what ends up happening is so beautiful. You start to see the hand of God start to work, provide in areas, protect in areas, lead you in areas. And you're going, oh, that's an authentic disciple. He's walking in the presence and the power and the perspective of his king for This is the one that has shattered me over the years. You have this incredible peace inside. You can be going through hell. The circumstances can be bad and all of this stuff. And all of a sudden, there's this calmness. And you hear the holy hush of the Father, like even when Jesus calmed the storm. Shh, I got you. And it's not that he always rescues you from the storm. Sometimes you meet him in the midst of the storm and he shows you that he's enough. 
right? It's not like I want you to bail me out and rescue. It's like, I'm with you. I want you to see how good I am in the midst of your turmoil. I, I, I want you to know I got you. And when you start to walk with that inner peace of God, man, it radically changes you. Five, you're able to discern the presence of evil. I remember as a lost pagan, I didn't know light from dark, but all of a sudden you get saved and God goes, there's a check in your spirit. That, that person right there, don't, don't listen to what they're saying. There's some hidden agendas right there. You, don't, don't, you just listen, listen to the words, listen to the phraseology, listen to the hero statements, listen to the dig me, listen to the dig me, meaning dig me, listen, listen to those statements, listen to the deflection statements. And all of a sudden you start to have this heightened sense and awareness of discerning what's going on around you. Anybody been there? Is that not a cool gift from the father? And all of a sudden, man, there's certain playgrounds and playmates and play toys that you stay away from because the father goes, no, 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 that's not you anymore. You, my child, you don't need to go there anymore. Number six, as I've hit already, you have this intimate connection with the Bible. When you miss a day, you feel like, man, what has happened? I've got to get back in the word. I've been there. Lord, I, I, I didn't get any time in the word. I didn't get that meditation and contemplation and prayer time with you. If you ever start to have that intimate connection with the rhema sayings of God, you don't want to miss any days. And you definitely won't take two days off and a week off. You just can't do it. Come on, Chevy. You cannot do it. Here's another thing. You're drawn to the things of God. God in your heart as an authentic disciple starts to draw you toward those things that glorify him and matter to him. There, there's a lot of people, as I said, uh, I, I don't need church. No, I, I, I value fellowship with you guys on Sunday. It, it's one of those things of God, as we said in Hebrews 10. Don't neglect it. The, the word, yeah, I value that. that. Those are the things of God. Prayer and worship as we were doing and interceding for others and getting involved in the world in which you live of extending the love and compassion of Christ. All of a sudden, you start finding yourself drawn to the things of God. And you go, man, loving and giving and serving and sharing and investing are the things of God. You, you ever found that to be true? I remember when I totally surrendered back in October of 85, and I'm like, I think that's when I really did get saved because that other stuff was milly vanilly, lip syncing, praying prayers. It didn't work. But when I surrendered, all of a sudden I found myself doing street ministry. I, I found myself going on mission trips to Korea and Bangkok and Venezuela and the Dominican and, and inner city Atlanta and doing stuff. I found myself helping out at Christmas and doing things with families that were hurting. And then that just started happening year round. You ever seen that happen with you? When you're an authentic disciple, you're drawn to the things of Christ. Eight, when you're an authentic disciple, you have a compassionate heart for the people that are poor and hurting. That right there just kind of jumps off, meaning your heart breaks for what breaks his heart. I mean, when Jesus is the Lord of your life, you've got a heart for what is called the least of these I met with a gentleman this week, and he was talking about, he does construction, and he went out to do some repair in this house, and he said this lady's house, the little trailer was kind of broken down, and he said that she's got some mental issues. He said, but as I got there, she didn't have a whole lot, but she had this scripture, 
written on her windows. And he said, I was in there doing this work on her house and I got through and she goes, how much do I owe you? And he said, it was like the Lord hit me right there on the spot and said, her story matters. You might see her as being somewhat a little crippled or handicapped mentally, but her story matters. She has been redeemed by me. She belongs to me. And he said, I looked and said, give me a hug. God loves us. You don't owe me nothing. And I said, man, you told me a lot about who you are. You hang out with people. See how they respond to poverty. See how they respond to pain. See how they respond to the least of these. They will tell you a lot about who they belong to. When you put washers and dryers and when you do what you do, God looks down and I'm like, look at you. He says, pure and undefiled religion is when you take care of widows and the poor. And we've got people in this church that get that because it's an authentic mark of a disciple. Trevor, even when you take those kids, and we'll see it here on the backside of, of our, our service on this video, but when you take them down to Safe House Atlanta, and they're hanging out in the bluffs doing ministry with these kids, and you're taking coats and jackets and food, which is the number one heroin place in America, they say right now, and y'all are down there taking care of kids, exposing our kids to that, I go, yes. When you boys go down and do that, you're investing in the least of these. It's a mark of being a disciple. How well do you treat those that can do absolutely nothing for you? Well, guess what? That's what Jesus did for me and you. He did something for me and I couldn't do anything in return. I didn't deserve his grace, deserve his love, deserve his redemption. And he looked down and he said, I'm about to give you the ride of your life. Now go do likewise. So here's the question. Are you an authentic disciple of Jesus? Look at the list. Have I reached that place in my life? I'll combo the first two. Have I truly repented of my sin and believed on Jesus as Lord and Master? Have I unplugged from the less wild lovers? Have I looked at those things that are not giving me any type of life whatsoever and repented? I've turned from it. I've I've burned that. that. That's in the past. It's no longer part of my wardrobe. And now I believe. I'm persuaded to action. I'm pressing in. Acts 17, 30 said, having overlooked the times of ignorance, old covenant, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. Often you repent, Tim, just that one time when you get saved. No, daily. Daily. Have you been baptized? One of the authentic marks of being a disciple of Christ is I'm going to identify with the body of Christ, and I'm going to say, man, I've been crucified with Christ. I'm being buried. I'm being walked in the newness of life. That's one of the marks of an authentic disciple. First step of really becoming an obedient disciple is baptism. And there's tons of opportunities to be baptized here. All you got to do is contact us. We have it on the Connect card all the time. Here's another one. Am I growing in my knowledge of Christ? Am I really pursuing growth in this relationship with Christ, word, prayer, fellowship, whatever. Here's, here. Am I really assembling with others? We're finishing up our fall semester, if you will, of small groups. And we're getting ready to start our January here uh, pretty soon. If you're not in a small group, 
or a growth group, we would love for you to get involved. Steve Joyner is just absolutely so fired up about taking young believers through early growth style training. What is salvation? What is faith? What is, the, what is prayer? What is the Bible? Dude's been saved for 140 years. I'm telling you, he has walked with Jesus as long as Methuselah did. No, but Steve has got so much depth and care. And as one of our elders, he wants to coach you. There's no reason why you don't get involved in that. There's no reason why you don't get involved in a small group. Our women's ministry, Bloom, our guys' ministry, Arise. There's so many opportunities to connect. Let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Man, I've already beat that so hard. But there's not a substitute on the planet for the word of God. It's God's manna. It's the bread of life for us. He says, devote yourselves to prayer. He says in Thessalonians, man, pray without ceasing and all things give thanks for this is the will of God. Pray without ceasing. Yeah, your heart should always be in this attitude of dialogue with the Father. And then he says, go and make disciples, which means it takes one to make one. I've got to be one before I can go out and make one. And as I walk in the dust of Yeshua, and as I bathe myself and clothe myself in the word and prayer and all this, guess what? Then I'm able to go out And start fulfilling Matthew 28, that I can go into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. And then he says, love God and love others. How many of y'all want to really be a raw, organic, authentic disciple of Jesus? Come on. Anybody in here want to be that way? Anybody satisfied with just going through the motions like 90 minutes on a Sunday morning and you're good with that? No. And so my heart cry for each and every one of us is we would get in the dust of Yeshua. We would become an authentic Talmud. Do you confess him as Lord? Is that really the heart cry? If not, do it before you leave here today. I'll be back in the Ask Me area. There'll be a team of us back there. You go, I want to talk to someone about starting that relationship with Christ. Yeah. I had a guy come up. He and his wife just moved to this area. And uh, they were in the first service. And he came up to me. He had a few questions last week. He goes, why don't y'all do an invitation at the end? Because I'm not into emotional decisions. I'm not. I don't find every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. And I'm not saying it's wrong. If you really want to walk with Jesus and repent, we want to sit down with you and give you time. We want it to be a spiritual decision and a spiritual encounter, not just some five-minute emotional moment you have. And you leave. That's not who we are at the cross. We're a relational community. I was looking at you guys up here praying, Michael Dean and Bert Schmack and all these guys. And I'm like, I got retired guys that have skin in the game. I'm like looking at these guys going, y'all need to get in the game. Care pastors, going to hospitals, praying with people, sitting down one-on-one counseling and coaching. I want you to have skin in the game. But it's going to require repentance and really moving toward Christ. Makes sense? And you've got to get there. And there's all these other steps. You go, I want to get involved. We want to help you grow.